0: I am truly blessed. If you'd have asked me three or four months ago about church this morning and in over the past couple of months about how things were going to evolve, I would have told you things were going to maintain steady and Normal, But that has not been the case in my life. Things have not been normal. And so I want to talk about us this morning. Are we Christ's church? Are we part of the body of Christ? I am so proud, and I use that in a godly sense, that our church elders, our church deacons, And our church membership have weathered the storm. We've been in a storm because our life has been in a great turmoil and a great upheaval. And we are so blessed. Brother Van talked about unity three Sundays ago, or two Sundays ago, and we are unified. Our church leadership has use God's wisdom to bring us together in such a way that we're all comfortable and we're unified. One person is not got preeminence. We're all God's family and we are unified. Brother David talked a week ago about peace, and that is a part of God's church. That's a part of what you and I need to be each and every day. So let's talk about God's church. There's five points that I want to talk about, but before we do, I want us to realize how important the body of Christ is to Jesus Christ and to God. It's of great importance. Look with me to 1 Timothy 3, verses 14-15. through These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if that don't happen... And I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. And so we've touched that. We're socially distanced this morning, but the singing is great. Maybe we're singing out more. Maybe. I don't know. I was afraid the singing would be affected by the distance, but it's not. And so we can overcome. We know how to behave ourselves in the house of God that thou mayest know how to behave, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And I think this morning, as we would brag on ourselves about everybody gets to church early. Everybody comes in happy. We are doing phenomenally well. But let's do better, because this church, this assembly, is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now I need an anchor. And that's what a pillar is. It's an anchor in the ground of truth. Truth brings us in a straight path to God and makes us pleasing unto God. Now you and I know that life has an influence against Christ's church. It's out there every day. Maybe my job, maybe my co-workers... Maybe where I go to college is too far from church. You know, there's nothing wrong with sports and recreation, but very often these things really are in conflict with Christ's church. And so let's work and keep church the most important. So in the beginning, it's important what time our children grandchildren are born, where they're born, the time and the place and the name is important to us in many things in life, and that is true with Christ's church. So I want to talk about that. There's five points that I want to hit this morning, and they are by no means the entire lesson on God's church. We're just going to try to limit that to about 40, 45 minutes. So we're going to talk about the time, place, and name, and how that is important to us. And it's all given to us in the Bible. It's not a mystery. It's all there. Isaiah 3, verses 2 through 3. We'll begin to talk about time, place, and name in prophecy. This was years, years before the church was established. Isaiah 2, verses 2 through 3. Remember that in the Old Testament, God's people were just the Jewish nation. It was very limited. And the God spoke to His people through prophets and through one man, or two men, or just a few people. And this says that's all going to change. And so it shall come to pass in the last days. This is in the future. This is a long time from the time that this was being written by Isaiah, that the mountain of the Lord's house, the Lord's house, shall be exalted above the hills, and all the nations shall flow into it. And again, when this was written, the Jews were the only people that were accepted by God. This was a foreign concept. All nations will flow in to the church. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and He will teach us of His ways, We will walk in His paths, for out of Zion Zion. shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Guess what? God's church was going to start in Jerusalem. It's talked about here in Isaiah. And so it's no mystery where God's church started. Matthew 16 and verse number 18. Peter had just confessed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And so Jesus says to him, Thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. My church, singular. Jesus possesses it, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so, religious people in the past, some have thought that the church was built on the physical Peter. So where Peter is buried today, there is a church. But that's not what it means to you and I. It's on his confession, not upon the physical man. And the gates of hell, this church that is being taught by Jesus Christ here, built on the confession that He is the Son of the living God, it's everlasting and it's indestructible. It may come and go, but it's going to be here when the Lord returns. Mark 19, verse number 1. So in Isaiah, it was way in the distant future that it was going to be established, but notice what Jesus says here. That there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death, they're going to be alive when they see the kingdom of God come with power. So the church was going to be established during this period of time. Go with me to, skipped it, Acts 2 and verse 47. So up until now, the church is always spoken of in future tense. But notice today, Acts two forty-seven, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So there's the time. And there's the place. This was Jerusalem. So it exists today. You and I can be proud that the Lord's church exists as it does today. And it's not still in the future as it was for those that walked prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. That's the Old Testament. And it's changed. It's not that away anymore. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath anointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. And so Scripture tells us that the universe was made by God's Word. Jesus Christ is that Word. And this Scripture tells us about the power there is in Jesus Christ and the power that He has over His church. And so, look with me to Acts 20 and verse number 28. This is written to the elders at the church at Ephesus. "'Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers,' to feed the church of God. And that takes place here. Our elders are very concerned in this church being run in a great New Testament fashion, like God intends for it to be. And he said, this church, the church of God, not just any church, the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood, Now, is there anything any more precious to you and I than our blood? That is the extreme purchase price, that it was purchased with Jesus Christ's blood. Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23, "...and hath put all things under His feet. God has put all things under the feet of Jesus, and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body." the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. And so we do talk about our assembly being the body of Christ. Now how important is that? That is very important that we behave such as the body of Christ. Let's go now to Romans 16 and verse 16. I believe I skipped. Ephesians 5. Let me back up. You know, my wife, our wives, honor us by wearing their husband's name. And so we should wear the name of Jesus Christ as His body. Ephesians 5, verse number 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Without Him, there would have been no body of Christ or no church. And so the name is also important. Romans 16, verse 16, Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. And so when our grandchildren are born, I want to know the name. I want to know the name. I want to know the name. And so the name is important. Let's look now to Acts 11 and verse number 26. On this occasion, Barnabas was seeking the apostle Paul, and it was for a reason. And it says, when he had found Paul, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. First word, let's notice, assembly. And so it's important that we assemble as we have today. We need to do it within the laws and the suggestions that are given to us by our leadership, by the state. I'm thankful for that. But we need to assemble. And I didn't realize how much I needed to assemble until we couldn't assemble. And so I am extremely thankful today that we can have assembly as the church, And on this occasion, there was teaching. And on this occasion, the disciples were called Christians. And so I don't want to be a such and such Christian. I just think we need to be Christians. Nothing else, nothing less, nothing more. And so this is uh, what we have on the name. Doctrine. The church exists so that we can teach and have doctrine. Some people call this a creed. And so we do have that today. And so it's no mystery of how we're supposed to handle ourselves as far as doctrine. Got to get my notes caught up. Second Corinthians 11 and verse number three. You know, there's times in religious history when it was so complicated, there was just one guy around that could explain God's will to us, or to you, or I, or whatever. This was way in the past. It's not that complicated. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent cheated Eve through his craftiness, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity of That is in Christ. I learned a long time ago that if I was studying the Bible and it began to get complicated, I was on the wrong track. When you're studying God's Word, it needs to stay simple, especially the Gospel and conversion. It needs to be simple because He wanted it to be simple. Jude 3 is our next Scripture. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And so what does common mean? It's a lot for all of us. As I've already stated, our elders work on unity and Christ taught that it is God's will that His church have things as much alike, and the salvation that you and I have is common. It's not different for each and every one. It's the same. And so let's work towards common. It's a salvation that was once delivered to the saints. And so it's not some newfangled deal. It's what we find here in the New Testament. Real simple, real common, real wants delivered. And so that is the way doctrine of the New Testament church is. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. Scripture is a huge blessing because it is given. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. What's left? Nothing. Because with the Scripture, the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, I'm not perfect. Neither are you. But we can be perfectly informed about all good works through the Scripture because it covers everything. The entire Bible is provided for my sake and your sake, for our learning. And so let's look now to 2 Peter 1 and verse number 3. According as His divine power, God's power hath given unto us all things. Nothing else is needed that pertain unto life and godliness. Our day-to-day lives should be governed by God. Our spiritual lives should be governed by God. It's through knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue. Now how do we get this knowledge? We study God's Word because it is all power. Notice James 1 in verse number 25. Now, if you'll look into the perfect law of liberty, now what is that perfect law of liberty? It's the New Testament. That's where the blessings are. If we'll look in this perfect law of liberty and continue in that perfect law and not be a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man should be blessed in his deeds or deed. And so if I want to be successful, if I want to gain heaven, if I want to be a good asset to God's church, then I'm going to stay in that perfect law of liberty. I'm going to be in that Word. I'm not going to be forgetful. I'm not going to leave it behind. Because I want to be successful and blessed in my deeds. Look with me to the next Scripture, Revelation 22, verses 18-19. Uh, through 19. John the Revelator brings this to us. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. So he says, pay attention. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And so it's not my place to add things to God's Word. It's not my place to take away from God's Word. Christians, those of us that want to be a part of Christ's church, are duty-bound to obey just the New Testament. No additions and no subtractions. Conversion exists... Outside the church, there's lots of great things that we can do with our co-workers and those neighbors that we have, but it also does exist to help in converting souls to the Christ church. Hebrews 4 and verse number 12. Now there are some great weapons in the arsenals of the world today but they don't hold a candle to the Word of God because it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even of the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now you know there's no weapons today that work on men's conscience and on women's conscience. But the Word of God can convict the vilest people. And so let's use it. It's a tool. It's a great weapon. It's a tool. So in conversion, let's stick to the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse number 17, it has a process to conversion. There's a process to being a true believer, and it is, as the writer says here in verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so all good things start, Word of God. You must hear this Word, and this Word, if it is considered properly, will produce faith. A a motivated faith. A faith that leads us to obedience. Matthew 10 and verse 32. Again, the words of Jesus. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men... Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. If we deny Jesus, He's going to deny us. But a part of our conversion is to confess Jesus before men. Acts 2 and verse 38. Remember how those that had crucified Christ were horrified at their deeds. And they cried out in verse 37, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were desperate more desperate than I've probably been. And so Peter says unto those desperate people, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. You know, their sins had them suppressed tremendously because they had killed the Son of God. But there is remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You and I can celebrate today because there is remission for what we do that's wrong. There's remission for our sins. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1-4, through 4, the Apostle Paul was all about the Gospel. One place he said, I'm not ashamed of it. Here he says, I declare unto you the Gospel which I preached unto you. You know, he made a great turn on his road of conversion, and he worked 100% for the Gospel of Jesus Christ after that day. He says, "...which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand." It's important. Pay attention to this. "...by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain." Vain is worthless. Let's make sure that we stay in this Gospel that's in the New Testament so that we don't believe in vain. He said, "...for I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures." Back to the Scriptures. "...and that He was buried, that He rose again the third day of conversion in God's church." Romans 6 verses 3-4. through four. Know ye not that so many as of us as were baptized and in Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? We can't be a part of Christ's church if we're not baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so how can I refuse baptism when the Scripture points out so plain that it is a part of conversion? Second John verse 9, to disobey and ignore God's plan, His Gospel plan, means that we don't have God. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Are there any richer blessings than having both the Father and the Son? So let's be obedient to conversion. Let's spread the gospel to those about us through these through the method of God's conversion. I want to talk a little bit about Christian works. And again, there's no way to cover this in its entirety. But the church exists to help me in those Christian works. There's four points that I want to make about that. It helps us to walk by faith. It helps us In fellowship, you know, I used to didn't think fellowship was very important. It's really important. It helps us to minister to others, and it helps us in comfort. And so, walk by faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. If we try to walk by physical sight and serve God that way, that's not going to work. It has to be through faith. We're taught that. And so Christ's church helps us walk by faith. It helps us in a method of fellowship. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now as a young man, I thought it was a law that you had to come to church every time the door was open. And I think that's good, but that's not what it's talking about here. I need to have the desire, the attitude. I need to have the motivation to want to come. I may not make it every time, but I need to have that desire. It's talking about having a love, a commitment, and a desire to be here. And so I feel like in this congregation we do exhort one another, we encourage one another, not provoke, that's kind of harsh. But we exhort one another to love and good works. We ex- encourage each other to be here. And I think when we truly love God's church, we want to be here. We may not can make it every time, but we want to be here. 1 Peter 4 and verse number 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. You know, if I give help to the man down on the corner, he may or may not give God glory for that. And so, we need to contribute. That's the reason the Bible talks about contributing on the first day of the week. That's really important. Because when the God, when the church helps the man down on the corner that needs help, God gets all of the credit. And so, there needs to be... Praise and dominion for God. I'm going to have to back up. I missed a ver- very important part of my lesson. I think I just skimmed right over it. <clears throat> Bear with me for one minute. I wanted to talk some about wearing the uh, instantly missed it. I've got it highlighted here. For as many as of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, and I want to stop right there because I used to talk about a nightmare that I had as a first grader of getting on the school bus naked, and it was a horrible nightmare. And so without God's Word, we are in trouble. To be naked is in trouble. I'm not going to use that again. I don't like that term. But I do have an experience that happened to me about a month ago where I forgot and I left God in the vehicle. And so I have this dermatology collective. And in April, all they did was scan my forehead for... Temperature, and I got to where I'm used to that. I'm okay with that. But on this day, my dear wife went with me because when you have history of skin problems, you never know what's going to happen. So she was my support. She follows me up to the door. It's locked. I knock on it. The little gal comes out, takes my temperature and she's in the vehicle. I may have left him at home that day. The Scripture says, put him on wear God like we do our clothes so we won't be naked. But I walked up to that door without God. And when the little gal asked me, or told me I needed to wear a mask, I basically said why. I had notes with me this morning that Latresa says you just kind of bowed up and said, She's easy to read. Whatever she's got in her mind, you can read it. And I knew I was in trouble when I saw this look. And she says, I was bowed up to that young lady about overwearing that mask. Now, I had in my mind that I said, well, maybe you whatever. But anyway, I wasn't that away. I left God in the vehicle, walked up to the door, and I didn't treat that young lady kindly. Now, she did give me a way out. She said, "Well, you can just go wait in your vehicle and I'll come get you when your turn is." And so I survived, but I didn't feel good about that. I don't feel good about it today. I went back in two weeks to get the stitches out, and I'm apologizing because I left God in the vehicle. And so I have an experience of maybe putting Christ on, but I've forgotten left him. and so Let's make sure that as God's people, that we put Christ on. And I also want to note the last part of this verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And again, I tried to commend our elders this morning about handling a church function that makes all of us feel comfortable, all of us are pleased. If we are this way and we are of this mind, then we are one in Christ. We are unified and we can worship and we can be proud of the way our church assembly is. And so I am very proud in a godly sense of the way our church assembly is. Sorry that I missed that. That was one of my main points. So I'm looking for 1 Peter 4 and 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We need to speak and talk about the Bible, the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. And so that is where I talked about giving and contributing that the man down the street can be blessed by the things that we give. John 4 and verse number 1, Brother David Pingerton talked about peace. And there are occasions we need peace. There's families here that have had two services for loved ones just in the near past. There was one the other day for Sister Sarah, and there was good attendance by our membership there, for that, because the MacFarlane family needed comfort. And so there are periods of time when we have lots of trouble. And God be thanked that we have brothers and sisters that can bring comfort. Jesus said, Believe in God, believe also in me. And so God promises you and I relief, and lots of times that relief comes from our brothers and sisters in Christ's church. This is brief, but it needs to be the Lord's Supper, and I'm including worship. And so Christ church exists so that you and I can worship and have the Lord's Supper in the most beneficial way possible. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 and 25, you know, this Lord's Supper that we're going to have in a few minutes is very important. It was important to Jesus Christ, and it still is. The Apostle Paul says, "...I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks for it and said..." Jesus said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of Me. If I'm not wrong, that's the inscription on this communion table in front of us this morning. In remembrance of Me. After the same manner also He took the cup which He had sucked, saying, This cup is the New Testament of My blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of Me. And so... Our assembly is a great encouragement to you and I as we have communion. Let's notice Matthew 18 and verse number 20. This talks about Christ's promise to all Christians. He says, "...for where two or three are gathered together in My name, there am I in the midst of them." Now, we've used this to talk about communion. There needs to be two or three. Maybe so. But Jesus Christ wasn't just talking about communion. He says, wherever two or three are gathered in My name. We're gathered in Christ's name this morning. Where there are two or three, then I am in the midst of them. What a privilege it is to have a worship service and have Jesus promising to be a part of that service, First Corinthians eleven and verse thirty-three: Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And so, this was instruction by Paul, and he was having to straighten out problems that were in the church. He was gifted in that manner of bringing solutions, and so those dear. People had been coming together and maybe not waiting on each other. They were coming together just to have a feast. And so he says, Terry, one for another, wait on the other one. Be patient. Be kind. Be humble. Be considerate that God's unity can prevail. Acts 20 and verse number 7. And upon the first day of the week, When are we to have communion? The first day of the week. When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continue his speech until midnight. We're not going to midnight. I have one more Scripture and we will conclude. So there was preaching. There was communion. There was prayer. There's singing. We're told to sing with the Spirit and the understanding. Acts 2 and verse 42 is the conclusion of our lesson. Pay particular attention here. Christ's church continued steadfast. It's of no value if we don't continue. We've got to continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. I used to not like the word fellowship. But as this pandemic has raged, I like it more. It is included here right along with the apostles' doctrine. And so together, to fellowship, to assemble is very important. And I've heard many of you talk about how important. We didn't know it was that important. It was kind of commonplace, but it's important that we can fellowship, and then the next thing is in breaking of bread and in prayers. We are truly blessed. Let's continue in those assembly... that's the wrong word, but let's continue in Christ's church. Let's support it. Let's support our eldership. Let's support our deacons. Let's support each other. And all aspects of Jesus Christ wanted us to be as far as being a part of God's family. That concludes our lesson this morning. God's invitation is always before us. If you're subject this morning to that Gospel call, which would be to obey that Gospel, then we are here. The church is here to help and serve you, or if you're here this morning and the prayers would benefit you, please come as we stand and sing.